You're not parenting for God. You're not raising your kid for God. I think we're raising our kids with God. I think it changes everything because all of a sudden, all the weight's not on us. And there's some grace in there to be like, where I miss, where I fail, where I yell at my kid, where I am selfish and I don't jump up the second they need me. In all those areas we fail, our kids, I believe God picks up the slack tenfold. And that's just another way that God's using us as broken, imperfect parents to just show like, hey, all the ways you're broken, that's just showing all the ways that I'm perfect. If God has called you to be a parent, then he has called you to something amazing and terrifying and messy and stressful and isolating. But I am here to tell you that you are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd. And this is, no seriously, how do I do this? Hey, welcome back. If there's something that those that are close to me know, it's that I can be super stubborn. Oh man, I do not like being told what to do. I get very resistant to that, especially when it's done aggressively. Even if it was something I wanted to do at first, you come at me and you tell me I have to do it. Oh no, you just turned me right off. And I married a man just like that. So basically our kids are doomed. But I felt like I needed to test this theory, see if it was just me or if it was something in the genetic gene pool. So I did my best to to see what my kid's reaction would be. Now, I apologize in advance for the audio quality. That's just a risky run when you are secretly recording your children. Hey, Mm -hmm. I have a question. I want to know how your brain works. Connected to your nose. (laughs) 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 I didn't learn much about how my kids view authority. I did learn that they need to take an anatomy class. Uh, Let's try that again. What are some things that you're excited to learn how to do? Like, I'm excited how to learn to ride my bike so I can, like, ride it and go travel all over the world and and ride your bike when you're hiking. I ride my bike when I'm hiking. But if I were to say, Aurelia, stop what you're doing right now and go ride your bike. I have no idea where this voice came from. How would you feel about that? Would you? Would that make you want to ride your bike? No. No? No. Hmm. That's unfortunate. Not That's exactly what I was planning to do. What's something that you want to learn how to do? You want to learn how to ride a horse. Okay, so if I were to say, Orwin, stop what you're doing right now and go ride that horse. Would you want to go ride your horse then? No. Hey, in my own way, I thought I made a point. Like, I thought I was really getting some more learning something about my kids. <laughs> and then... Hey, go ride your horse! Hey, go ride your horse! <laughs> <laughs> I think somewhere we got off topic. Okay, so basically none of us like being told what to do. Probably didn't even need to do the experiment, but I did, so here we are. Even the very things that we wanted to do, when we are forced to do them, we resist. But as parents, even though we know that about ourselves, we find ourselves in that place with our own children. I know that I can be in that place sometimes. I know that I was subjected to that place as a child. And so I had an opportunity to sit down with Patrick Mayberry. Now, Patrick is a singer. He is a worship leader. 
He's a strong Christian, and he is a father. And I wanted to know how those all intersect. How is he raising his kids to be strong in their love of music and their love of God? What are his tactics? And I got to tell you, when I first broached Patrick with the reality that this was a parenting podcast, his response was, honestly, it was kind of perfect. I don't know anything about kids. That's cool. Neither do I. I have four of them. Me too. But I don't know. (laughs) The more I learn, the less I know. So basically, he was the perfect candidate for this podcast. (laughs) All right, here we go. How how, how old are yours? Six, four, and then one-year-old twins. Hang on. It takes a minute. Six. Got it. Four. (laughs) One-year-old twins. Yeah, those one-year-old twins. You're paying for that one. Oh, yeah. So how old are yours? Um, 10, 8, 7, and a brand new five-year-old. Brand new is in last Friday. And then I took him yesterday uh, to get his five-year-old checkup uh-huh. where they have to get like just all the shots and just all the stuff. Yeah. Sad. So I realize what you mean by that is they just turned five. Yes. I'm like, oh, did he adopt a five-year-old? He's like, brand new, got him last Friday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brand new and a new, brand new to us, five-year-old. Yeah. And to himself as well. <laughs> so boy, girl, names. Oldest is a girl, Maggie. She's 10. She's, um, at, well, the rest are boys. And everybody's like, oh, Maggie, I bet she's like the little mom just caring for the boys. And I'm like, no. She's like the, the CEO boss who, it's like <laughs> if you cross her, she will break you. <laughs> uh, and then the rest are boys. Well, honestly, with having three brothers, I think I can understand that. I think I can understand. Are you one of four? No, 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 no. I, I'm just sympathizing with your daughter. Oh, I'm, one of, uh, I'm one of three. I'm the oldest of three. But I had a little brother. I can't imagine having three little brothers. Yep. I think you got to kind of toughen it up. But I had talked to Rebecca St. James about being the oldest. We both are. And it's crazy because there's all these stereotypes. She's like, oh, I bet you're super type A, right? Very organized. And all this. I'm like... Nah, dog. Like now, maybe more, but I was the most free spirited, irresponsible of all of my siblings. I love it. I love it. So I I don't know that there's any, yeah, hard, fast rules. Where where are you guys from? So my wife and I grew up in Tennessee. Um, We grew up like an hour east of Nashville. Uh Uh, We met in the sixth grade. My mom was my wife's sixth grade teacher. Oh, fun. And then we actually grew up in the same friend group kind of all through middle school, high school. And my wife loves to make this joke that she dated one of my best friends and I dated all of her friends. <laughs> it's real cute. Uh, but we, we were just friends and that's kind of all we thought of each other. And then college sparks flew. And then next thing you know, you got four kids and you've been married 12 years. No, I love it. So yeah, so we grew up there, we got married. Uh, we moved to Nashville. And lived in Nashville for about four years. And then we've actually been in downtown Chicago Mm -hmm. for the last seven and a half years. And then we moved to Franklin a year ago. Okay, so uh, you're in Chicago and leading worship, right? Tell me about your worship background. Well, there's it's very short. Um, I grew up a small town, Tennessee. I grew up in a church um, that uh, had no instruments. Mm. We'll just leave it at that. Um, was it like pitch perfect? Was that all acapella? <laughs> yeah, it was all acapella. And and they very much viewed instruments as like not biblical mm. and like hard, hardcore not biblical. Like 
Weird. If you played instruments, you would probably spend eternity separated from God. It, instruments in the church. So yeah. it had to be separate. So that's how I grew up. I, I got into playing music in middle school, fell in love with it, and uh, just kind of got really into like rock and roll. Hippie jam bands was my thing. Okay. And, uh, you know, was super disinterested in church because I couldn't play music there. Um, and honestly didn't know anything about Christian music at all. And what I thought I knew of it, I was like, oh, it's not good. It's like, it's weak. It's not <laughs> rock and roll. So uh, fast forward to college. I started playing guitar in a college ministry because a friend of mine was playing at it. And it was just a cool opportunity to like play guitar. And I was like the worst, like I didn't know any of the songs. I would always show up late and I was like the worst volunteer of all time. And then a semester or so into that, my friend was like, hey, I think this next semester you need to start leading. Okay, what's that mean? And he's like, well, I'm gonna take you to this conference and I think it's gonna like give you a bigger vision. So I went to my very first passion conference in Atlanta. Yeah. That was my first experience with corporate worship and I remember standing there and just being like floored and felt like the Lord was like, dude, if you want to like go do the rock and roll hippie jam band thing, go for it. Or if you wanted to like use music to build my church, you could also do that. From there on, I was just, I fell in love. I fell hard. And so that, that just kind of led to an, a deeper kind of path of continuing to write. That was, I mean, I guess I've been doing it for maybe a little over 15 years, um, still figuring it out. So now that you're raising your own kids, you grew up in a church where instruments weren't a thing. Worship wasn't a way that you deeply connected with God because you didn't know much about Christian music at that time or anything. How is it different now that you're a dad? Are you raising your kids intentionally in the other direction? How are they connecting to the music? Honestly, I feel like my wife and I are both super go with the flow people. Like it's our greatest strength and also our greatest weakness. Um, so we're very flexible. And I feel like that has served us well in our parenting. When it comes to music and, and even faith, my wife and I want to own our truths and what we believe is true and what you know we see God doing in us. And it's important for our kids to be a part of a church. We want to teach them, lay them this groundwork of who we believe God is. In my relationship with my kids, I think God has reshaped so much in me. The way I want to love my kids is actually how God loves me and actually how God loves my kids and loves, you know, all of his children. So all that to say, we want to like lay that groundwork for all of our kids with music and faith. I want to like put all the tools out there and then give them the option of mm -hmm. when they want to pick them up. When they're ready to learn and they're excited about it, I think that's when they'll they'll want to dive in. And I think that would be the most fruitful. I don't believe there's there's missed time. My boss, we were talking and he was sharing how his daughter had just come to him and was super mad at him. Because when she was little, she was made to take piano lessons. And like so many kids made to take piano when they're little, they hate it. Oh, I know. And they don't want to practice. And that practice, was my fear. And they resent it. Yep. And now she's in college, so she gave it up years and years ago. And she's like, Dad, why don't you make me keep going? Now I want to do it. But she didn't do it on her terms. And so she didn't stick with it. And it wasn't something that brought joy. And so I think there's value in that. I'm 35 years old, and I have a guitar in my room that I bought when I first became a Christian because I had this vision in my head, Patrick, yes, where I'm like, yes, yes, I'm a believer. 
I want to do missions. I'm going to go buy a guitar and I'm going to magically learn how to play it. And I'm going to sit on the rooftop of some worn down building in some needy country. And I'm going to play Tom Lynn's God of the city. And they're coming and they're they're just going to, you know, it's going to be like the Pied Piper and everyone's going to find Jesus. So I bought this guitar a dozen years ago and I have no idea how to play it, but it sits there in the corner of my room and I have to keep telling myself it's not too late for me. It's not too late for me. It's not. So you don't know. Maybe this time next year, you are going to be interviewing me as I get signed yep. and make it big. Done. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> we'll schedule that. <laughs> but I, I do you think, accountable. I think there's something to letting your kids discover those things on their own. And I yeah. think with the best intentions, we put our kids in sports and we put them in music and we want that to feed and grow. And sometimes it does. But often I feel that they are not going to connect to those things mm-hmm. because we made them. The older I get, I, I see that that's almost the way like God parents us. It's part of the journey and the mystery. And it's like you're discovering. He doesn't automatically just lay out all the answers. And it's like, okay, I need you to be here on Tuesday. If you just let kids kind of figure it out on their own. I'm not saying just let your kids go free and turn into feral cats and roam your house, <laughs> which they will. What oh, is that? The you know? pictures in my head right now that might never is leave. Is that not true though? Oh, it's so, well, I think there is It's like you leave balance. your kids unattended for 10 minutes in your house. Hey, I think I'm going to just go take a nap. Mm-hmm. It's like they turn into feral cats and they mm. eat everything in the house. Yeah. They, they rip up the couch cushions yes. with their claws. Yes. They hiss at each other. They, they pee on everything to mark their territory. I understand. Yeah. But I do think that there is a balance when it comes to guiding our kids. Like, you know, you and I, we have younger kids. And so there's definitely a responsibility we have to, you know, teach them and to raise them up in the way they should go. But I think as parents, sometimes we hold on so tight with the best intentions. Yeah. But we end up forcing faith the same way we might force piano lessons. Yeah. And then the reaction is very similar. Yeah. They'll go through the motions when they're young. They'll do what they have to do. They'll show up to church. But sometimes it takes them walking away from that when they're mm-hmm. older and rediscovering it yeah. on their own terms. And that was the case for me. Yeah. I had grown up in the church. I was a worship leader at my little youth group. And then I walked away hard in my 20s. And well, I came back to the Lord in my twenties, I should say. And I had about six solid years of sex, drugs, rock and roll testimony building. But when I came back, my faith was real. My faith was my own and Mm -hmm. it was so much richer than if I had just kind of always gone through the motions and done the right thing. And I remember the day that I got saved, the day that the Lord was like, okay, now's the time we were talking about the prodigal son at my parents' church. And I I knew that story, but I just had this picture in my head that God had never turned his back on me, but I turned my back on him. And if I turn back around, he's right where he always was, but he wasn't going to force himself upon me. He wasn't going to make me love him, Mm -hmm. but like the father of the prodigal son, I mean, he, he waited patiently and he watched. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what God does for us. And he does for our children, but it's scary. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, I, as a mom, there's nothing I want more than for my children to know the Lord. So when it comes to faith Uh in your house and raising your kids up for the Lord, what does that look like? Yeah. Great question. Um, I love what you said about when you kind of walked away and then you come back, it's so much richer. 
And I've found that to be so true in my life of just like, I feel like God is continually inviting me into deeper, into richer. And I feel like he's allowing it to be at my pace. Mm -hmm. And so that just, that was just cool and affirming what, what you just shared. I think for us, oh man, faith in our house. I mean, we're always being very open about how we talk about faith and uh, we believe prayer is really big in our house and like teaching our kids practically pray and like present your your desires before the Lord. And so I always like am doing music or worship music or been on staff at churches and it's like I'm going to work and church and faith is a thing that we choose, not just like I'm doing it as a job. Mm -hmm. And so my wife is huge on like scripture, having scripture in our home and memory verses sure. and, and reminding our kids of that. You know, there's so many like awesome, simple scriptures that, you know, when they're, when they're on the edge of about to choose brave, you can be like, hey, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. How formative is that for a six-year-old yeah. to be on the brink of doing something really brave, whether that's, you know, jumping off a ramp on their skateboard or walking into a classroom of new friends that they don't know. And they go in or they do the thing and they see like, okay, that, that was really hard, but you're right. Like God is present with me as a six-year-old. You know, I think I grew up in such a rigid faith upbringing where church was such a thing you went to and it was compartmentalized into church. And we just want our kids to see like, there's kind of no rules. God is ever present. He's available. Also just feeling the freedom to like have all their feelings and their frustrations and their doubts, inviting God into those situations. And, and it's like, I have to be real careful because I don't want to like blow out those little, those little sparks of excitement. It's mm, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but one of the things that is beautiful and intimidating when it comes to having a million kids, <clears throat> we both have a million kids Yes, is they're so different in their personalities and in their temperaments, but also in how they respond to God. Even now, my six-year-old is very spiritually tender. She always has been. She is very mature. She asks big God questions. She gets it. And so recently she had come to my husband and I and been like, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. Quiz her almost on it. Do you understand what this means? And she did, and she was awesome, and she just loves Jesus. And so she prayed, and we talked to her about it, and she is so excited to be a child of God. You know, she's just so proud of that decision. And to honor it, we we bought her a little bracelet that says Child of God. So then her four-year-old sister's like, I want a bracelet. I want to be a Christian. Do I get a bracelet? You know, right, and she's just totally. isn't quite in that same place. And so understanding what reached Aurelia might not be what helps Arwen connect to the Lord and meeting our kids where they're at spiritually. And it might take different things and they might look at him differently and where this one is a feeler, this one's a rule follower. Mm -hmm. And that's been tricky for us because we just have very different temperaments in our household. Mm -hmm. Have you found that with oh. your kids? <laughs> yes. They're like out of the factory, hardwired, completely different. Yeah. Like each kid, wait, I'm the same, my wife's the same, but all four of these kids are complete. I mean, completely different in everything. So, and and that's a little bit of the tricky part of like having a lot of kids and four's a lot, right? Right, you it's a million. A lot. I just say a million. I yeah. mean, I round up. <laughs> I I think that as a parent, it's creating space for 
each kid to feel what they're feeling. And that gets dicey when you have multiple kids. And so being aware and, and then honestly, I'm, I think praying, I pray a lot like God, help me to be the kind of dad that would want my kids to want to know you more as like a father. You know, I think creating space, finding time during the day, and that gets tricky. When can I just have five minutes with this one kid just to check in? And I find Mm -hmm. like for me, a lot of times it's like when we're doing like, we have like a bedtime routine. You know, when everyone's in their bed, they've got their book, they've either read to themselves or my wife or I've read. It's like Mm -hmm. a quick chance to just go around to each bed and just get down on your knees, just get in their face and just be like, hey, what's up, man? Like, how was your day? Or Mm -hmm. that thing you did today was so awesome. Or, And just being able to do that check-in, I think is huge because I feel like that gives your kid and you space. And and I pray that will keep escalating. You know, a five-minute check-in with a six-year-old, you know, when they're 15, that might actually be like, we're just hanging out in their bedroom one night. Mm -hmm. Like, because we've always done it. And the conversations are getting deeper and just finding ways to make space for each individual kid because they all are super different. And I think as parents, you know the best thing that your kids need in those moments. And yeah. so it'd be so much easier if it was one size fits all. Right. <laughs> Let's be right, real. But right. but I like that you just need to trust yourself yeah. that you know your child. Yeah. And you don't have to do it perfectly, but giving them that space and making the time. Totally. Now, Patrick, what would you say to to wrap up our time? What would you say to that parent who's like, wow, he is so strong? In letting his kids find their way, but that's scary to me because what if they don't go the right way? Right. What would you say to them who is sitting there with anxiety over that? I would say that God loves your kid way more than you do. Hmm. And then I I would like to just kind of just mic drop right there. (laughs) Um, But that's the truth. God entrusted you to be their parent and he ultimately loves them way more than you do. And that's crazy to think about because you're like, "Uh uh-uh, no, he doesn't. (laughs) Like, he doesn't love him more than I do. But I actually believe that, and I think you're not parenting for God. You're not raising your kid for God. I think we're raising our kids with God. I think it changes everything because all of a sudden, all the weight's not on us. And there's some grace in there to be like, where I miss, where I fail, where I yell at my kid, where I am selfish and I don't jump up the second they need me. In all those areas we fail, our kids, I believe God picks up the slack tenfold. And that's just another way that God's using us as broken, imperfect parents to just show like, hey, all the ways you're broken, that's just showing all the ways that I'm perfect. I don't know about you. But I always told myself I was never going to be one of those moms, right? I was never going to be one of those moms that hovered, that tried to control everything. And yet over and over, I have found myself in that place. And I have to step back and look and evaluate and realize I'm coming at this with good intentions. And yet I know this isn't going to work. Thank God for grace. I loved that in what Patrick said. There's so much room for grace when we as parents fail. And we have to give ourselves permission to fall short. And here's the thing that is sometimes just as hard. We need to give our kids permission to fail. 
We need to give our kids permission to walk away and to discover their passions for themselves. And I want to tell you this, you and me, okay, let's be real. It's hard. I walked away in a big way, man. And I don't want that for my kids. And I know you don't want that for your kids. And that's why we do all the things wrong, right? We're trying to protect them from the mistakes that we made. And sometimes we can't. And like Patrick said, God loves our kids more than we do. We know it's true, but sometimes it's just so hard. And so here's what I want you to hear. If you are struggling in this, you're not struggling alone. You're just not. No, seriously, how do I do this? And so if you need companionship, if you need someone who gets it, shoot me an email, summer at seriouslyhow.com. And if you want to be a part of this community full of other people who get it, just search for No Seriously, How Do I Do This at Facebook. And if you haven't already, subscribe, follow along to this podcast and rate it so that other people can find it as well. So that they can know, as I hope that you know every single time you listen, that you are loved and you're not alone. 